Today's scripture reading is found in Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Please turn with me in your Bibles there. Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Hope everyone's doing uh, well. Hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving. I'm sure with 2020, your Thanksgiving probably looked a little bit different. Uh, ours looked different. We ended up doing uh, my family's uh, side uh, yesterday, and we had a uh, cornhole tournament. If some of you might know what that is. And to say that uh, my brothers and I are competitive would be a massive understatement. And uh, there might have been some yelling. And so if my voice goes out, if I get excited this morning and, and raise the volume, my voice goes out, I'm going to need you guys to be uh, encouraging for me. Uh, but uh, before we get started, a few, a few announcements. You guys should have received this if you have children. So there, there's two things. There is uh, this. You should receive this in the mail. This is our shared practices, and, and this is situated around Advent. We're going to be doing that over the next three weeks, and, and we will be walking through these shared practices together. Very excited about uh, the season of Advent, the anticipation of uh, Christ's birth. And so you should receive uh, this in the mail to follow along with, with some extra stuff related to Advent. And then if you are a parent, you should have received one of these bad boys this morning. This, this is a children's guide for Advent. Uh, you should receive that when you checked in. If you didn't, grab one of those before you leave today. And then if you... Uh, uh, are listening to this, you can can email the staff at info at the Parks Church to get one of these to walk through uh, with your family. I am excited about the text this morning. Uh, I've been uh, thinking about this, and there, there's multiple reasons for that. One is that this section of Scripture, there's 10 verses, but there is this incredible uh, picture of God's glory in these in these 10 verses, and there's this incredible uh, witness that happens as the Spirit moves within the people of God. So we have, we have that going on. Uh, we have also, uh, just the last couple of weeks, that uh, Colin and I were talking a couple of weeks ago, and uh, just the number of people who have been uh, impacted by the Spirit during this season and, and what the Lord is doing within the life of our people here is just so encouraging to hear. And then we have this last week, if, if you follow along with the shared disciplines, we were in confession. So kind of walking through these things, uh, so much to be thankful for and, and, and wrestling with that personally as I was preparing the message uh, for today. Um, and then 
you know, so there, there's just so much to be thankful for. Sam, Sam alluded to that with this week being uh, Thanksgiving. And so uh, at a minimum, uh, you'll be thankful that Kyle and Sam usually do the teaching around here. So the, you'll at least have that. So that's for your sanctification. So, um, all right. So we are going to be in Acts uh, 19 today. And just uh, if you're new with us, that's what we do. We go through books of the Bible and uh, we find ourselves in the middle of Acts. And, and the reason that you are here this morning is because of what the Spirit was doing in the life of the church within Acts. It's why you're here. It's why I'm here. The Holy Spirit working through his people uh, during that time to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so we see uh, the, this, this transformation in the life of the believers in, in, these, ten sec- in these ten verses. Uh, we see the, fear, the Spirit filling them uh, with power, and then we see a response to that in terms of what they're going to do within their city uh, and, and kind of to the ends of the earth. And we're going to see uh, really Asia transform, which is kind of miraculous uh, as we look at the, the, the thing this morning. But from a context perspective, uh, we kind of need to set the stage a little bit. And, and we were, Paul was in Ephesus last week as Kyle was walking through Acts 18. We saw Paul teaching in the synagogue. We saw the people of the synagogue receiving Paul and was actually glad that he was there, which is quite different for Paul. Usually when he goes into a city, he is not welcome there. The gospel message is not welcome there. And for some reason, the people within the synagogue were welcoming Paul. And so he was teaching. In fact, they asked him to stay, if you remember, as as we were going through that. And he says, I've got to leave. And so he, he completes his second missionary journey last week and camps out in Antioch. And today we see him coming into his third missionary journey as he lands in Ephesus. Ephesus, uh, that's where we get the letter uh, Ephesians. So it's the same, the same city. Ephesus is a, a very important city in the ancient world. It was a port city. It was the gateway into uh, Asia. So a lot of trade came through there. Peoples of all kind would, would come and mix within there. We see the, the Temple of Artemis in Ephesus, which was an ancient wonder of the world. And so Ephesus is going to become a really important city in the shaping of the church. And Paul spends quite a bit of time there. He's going to spend two or three years. We're going to cover in kind of half of that today in terms of what's happening. Um, and he's also going to write 1 Corinthians and Galatians while he is in uh, Ephesus. Just, just as an aside, what I like to do when we're going through Acts, I, I like to see what else is happening, what else we have in the New Testament that is related to what's going on in Acts. And so, for example, uh, while Paul is in Ephesus, he is writing 1 Corinthians. So I like to read that to kind of get a perspective of what's going through Paul's mind when he's in Ephesus. I think you can see that as, as he's writing to the Corinthians and to the Galatians. And I also like to, to go and look at Ephesians as you're studying this week. That might be something you could try to see what he writes 10 years later when he writes to the Ephesians from Rome. He is, he is talking to this group of people that he's establishing the church at today. So um, let's look at this verses uh, one more time. And I'm actually going to start uh, in verse 3 here. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about uh, 12 men in all. So so who are these disciples, and and what is going on here? If we remember from last week, we we have this time period within 
within the Acts church that is quite different than, than what we have. We, we have the fullness of the New Testament. We have the, uh, the, the gift of being able to see the whole picture. Uh, in Acts, they didn't have that. They had this, this gap where, where, you, where you're kind of not stuck, but from a timing perspective are in the middle of this Acts 1 versus Acts 2 church. And so we see these disciples who are in Ephesus. They seem to know something about what's going on. They seem to know something about Jesus, but they don't have this, this complete perspective, this complete picture. And so likely uh, it's thought that these are probably disciples of Apollos. And we, we saw Apollos last week had this same kind of thing. So he was preaching in boldness. He was preaching about Jesus, but he didn't have the completeness of what it meant for the spirit to come in power within the life of the believers. And Priscilla took Apollos aside and they corrected his theology and then he went about preaching. And so we think that that's uh, kind of the similar scenario here where the disciples don't have this full picture of what's going on. And within Acts, we see lots of conversion stories. There's probably, there's over 13 conversion stories in Acts. And it always seems to look a little bit different. There's some things that, that line up that we see happen in, in every one of them. But it seems that the Spirit is moving and interacting with God's people in different ways. And so it, it surfaces this question of how is it that the Holy Spirit works? How does it work? Does the Holy Spirit come in fullness when we have when we believe in Jesus. So by grace, God draws us to himself. We make the choice to accept that faith and, and we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Does the, does the Spirit come in fullness when that happens? Or does the Spirit also come later? We, we see some examples here where it seems like they had a, a, an understanding of Jesus, but the, the Spirit comes later. And, and the answer to that is what? Yes. The answer to that is yes. Right? We receive, at, when we believe, through grace... We receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit when we believe. There is no holding back. There is no partiality to what the Spirit gives us whenever we believe in Jesus. But there are scenarios. Some of them are immediate. We see that with Cornelius. Uh, others happen later. Uh, and this is true of my, this has been true of my life, where the Spirit comes in a uniqueness. It comes in a unique engagement in the life of the believer for some purpose. There's no pattern to that necessarily, but the Spirit does what the Spirit does, and the Spirit shows up uh, when he needs to in the life of the believer. And so either way, uh, however that happens, whether it's close, whether, it's, whether it happens two times, three times, it doesn't matter. Uh, one of the things is uh, evident as, as it relates to the Spirit, and that is the Spirit is always, and we see this in Acts, it is always experienced. It is always experienced. So there, there is no uh, situation where uh, the believer uh, accepts Jesus as their Lord, and then there's this mental uh, construct of what the Spirit is. The Spirit is always, in the life of the believer, experienced. And the second thing that always happens is there is evidence of that experience in the life of the believer. And so we see that in heartfelt praise. We, we praise what we value. We see that in praise. We see that in obedience. And we also see that in what the Spirit does when it comes, uh, often, in the displaying of gifts, in the displaying of the gifts of the Spirit. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time looking at gifts. Uh, in this passage, it talks about the gifts of tongues and prophesying. Uh, I, I'm going to put some of you at ease. I'm not going to go in-depth into tongues this morning. I, I will say uh, we believe here at the Parks Church in the full complement of the gifts. 
And so we believe that there, there's no reason in Scripture to see or, or, or that backs up the thing that the gift of tongues or the gifts of prophesying or healing or miracles or the interpretation of tongues are not available to the people of God today. And, and we see that and we believe that. Uh, most often, actually, uh, our challenges, and we, when we see these miraculous gifts used or wielded, it is always out of an overflow of the Spirit. Always. And so we should be praying for an overflow of the Spirit so that we would have the ability to experience those gifts um, as individuals. But um, gifts, everyone receives a gift. So if you're a believer in Jesus, the Spirit comes in your life, you experience that power within your life, you have received a gift uh, from the Spirit. There's roughly 20 of those, depends on how you interpret those things, but everyone receives uh, a gift. Not everyone receives every gift. So Kyle, Sam, the guys, that they don't have uh, all 20 of the gifts. Everyone within the people of God uh, receive a gift. Some people receive uh, multiple gifts. And so that kind of related back to tongues just to kind of close that out. Um, it is not a requirement to be a saving faith Christian filled with the Holy Spirit. It is not a requirement to have the gift of tongues. So as people, as the Spirit uh, doles those out to the people of God for the purposes of the Spirit within the church... Uh, we see us all getting to play uh, uh, one role or another. I was out with my family a couple of weeks ago, and we were out on a, on a vacation, and we'd had this wonderful day. We'd done so many fun things. You know, we were hiking. We spent a lot of times outdoors. I uh, love to do that with our kids. And so we, we'd had this really cool day, and I was just full, you know, just full from getting to spend time with my family and to do that outside and to see God's creation. And we're sitting at dinner, and having a lovely dinner, you know, and we're talking about all of the things we're going to do for our children tomorrow. So we're, we're, we're kind of walking them through that. And one of my children, I will not name this child, um, says to me, uh, I am not interested unless it's whitewater rafting. <laughs> how, do you, how do you think I responded to, responded to that? I responded in holiness. How would you respond <laughs> to that, Right? We've all, we've all been there. Whether you have children or not, there's, there's always that, you know, you get a gift for somebody and someone says, oh, I want the blue one. You know, they don't want the gray one, whatever. Uh, that, that irks us, you know, it's because we're trying to do something good. We're trying to give them uh, a good gift. And, and I really think that as it relates to gifts, this holds us back. We, we do this with the spiritual gifts. We do this. And so we think, oh, well, if I can't, you know, teach like Kyle, I don't, I don't want to do it. If I can't, uh, if I don't have the wisdom of Heather, I don't want to do it. If I don't have the gifts of helps like Lindsay, I don't want to do it. If I can't lead like Sam, then I don't want to do it. And that holds us back. It, it holds us back. And uh, some of us need to get in the game on this one, on the gifts. All of us have these gifts. And too much cornhole. Hold on. There is no second-rate gift in the kingdom of God. There is no second-rate gift. And this body of believers cannot be everything that the Lord has, has for us within his kingdom unless all of us individually are working within the full complement of what the Spirit has given us to do. And it is robbing some of us of joy. It is robbing you of joy. And it is robbing this body of believers of the gift that God has sovereignly granted to you that is sovereignly given you for the edification and for the building up of this church. The spiritual gifts, what is the purpose of the spiritual gifts? 
Spiritual gifts are meant for the edification and the building up of the people of God. And as we take our gifts and as we use those gifts to encourage and to edify one another, we are built up to be able to carry out the mission that God has for us as individuals, for us collectively as the Parks Church here in McKinney, in Asia, wherever the Lord sends us. So the gifts are really, really important to how uh, we look at this. And it is okay, by the way, it is okay to desire other spiritual gifts. In fact, Paul tells us to earnestly desire other spiritual gifts. But it is sinful to despise the one that God has given us and to withhold that from the work of God within the body of the church. One of the things I want to look at, though, as it relates to spiritual gifts, and if I could get uh, 1 Corinthians, let's look at how Paul talks about spiritual gifts. And so we, we kind of sometimes we'll get hung up a little bit on this. We'll run to the spiritual gifts test. I'm sure there's one online or something. And we say, oh, I have this gift and you have this gift. And then we get wrapped around the gifts, thinking that the gifts are the purpose. The gifts are not the purpose. So let's look at what Paul says about the gifts uh, and then how he, how he talks about that in terms of where those gifts should come from and how they should be used. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess the gift of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. So he's talking about the gifts, and then he ends it curiously with, I will show you something better, something better than the gifts, a a more excellent way. The next one. If I speak in tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all the faith. So he's going through these, these are gifts, spiritual gifts here. If I have all these things so as to remove mountains, but, not ha- but have not love, I have nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. First of 14. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And so the the point of gifts are to be wielded from a place of love. It's not the other way around. And that's normally how we start. We have our gifts, we have these things, and then we kind of go looking for a place to love, right? It's like a hammer looking for a nail. But but Paul reminds us that the purpose of, of this, the purpose of the gifts even, are to come from a place of love and then wield those gifts from that place of love. Otherwise, they're, they're, a, they're a clanging gong. They're, they're a noisy uh, symbol. That same daughter, just to kind of round this out uh, of mine, <laughs> uh, we had a guy that's working at our house, and he, he's a guy that's kind of part of our, our neighborhood where I live, and uh, has had a really tough time. And I, I'm not going to go into his story. Uh, just know that it, it's, it's a really, really sad uh, story. And so he's helping out around our house to earn some, some extra money. And uh, my daughter goes up to him and says, do you believe in Jesus? And the guy, and I talked to him previously, he, he says, yes, I, I believe in Jesus. Uh, and, he got, and my daughter says, I see Jesus working in you. And she walks away. And this guy comes and finds me, runs. I see him running to come and find me. He goes, do you know what just happened? He tells me the story. And he goes, you, didn't, you, you have no idea how much I needed to hear that today. And he was crying. Uh, and I said, man, that, that, that is incredible. And then I cried myself, you know, <laughs> I had to, had to handle that. Uh, and so I go up to my daughter and say, Hey, why, where did that come from? You know, like where, where, what, what spurred that? And I, I was hoping for, you know, and she says, uh, the spirit told me and I did it. Spirit told me and I did it. 
And I was just really open. I said, oh, that's, that's really great, honey. It kind of affirmed that in her, being able to, to discern that, being able to use something that the Spirit has given her. And then I cried some more after she left. Um, <laughs> but I was proud of her, not because she was my daughter. Uh, maybe a little bit because she was my daughter. But the main reason I was proud of her because uh, in that moment, she was everything that the Lord created her to be. Everything. She, she listened. She responded. She brought encouragement to a brother in Christ because th- this child is, is, believes in Jesus. She was everything that God created her to be. And, and, and I remember looking at that and, and, and just, just feeling worship bubble up into, in my heart. You know? and because it is such a picture of God's glory, this, this picture of God's glory to be able to see that. And so if we're going to understand what the Spirit does in our lives, if we're going to understand the gifts and how to wield them with love, we have to have a good working understanding of what glory is. Why do we do this? What is the, the purpose of these things? Why, why are you here? Have you ever asked that question? Like, why, why did I show up? And some of you, it's because someone made you, and that's okay. We're glad you're here too. Um, but understanding uh, where we came from, we, we looked at this question a couple of weeks ago where we were looking at what, what is the good life. You know, it seems like everyone is trying to, to, to answer that question. And if you came in here un, trying to understand what your purpose in life is, I will shortcut this for you. Uh, the purpose of all things, the purpose of creation, the purpose of you, the purpose of me, the purpose of this church is to bring God glory. That is the purpose of all things. There, there's no question. We actually all have the same purpose to bring God glory. And the Bible says a lot about glory. We're going to look at a number of things, starting with, with Isaiah uh, 6, just so that we have this, this construct going into things. And one called to another. So this is, this is Isaiah. This is an angel of the Lord speaking. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Next. And so whether you eat or drink, this is Paul speaking, whether you eat or drink and whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Next, this is Jesus. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. And then 2 Corinthians, which is kind of where I want to land, and this is a construct for how we should understand glory. 2 Corinthians is... Um, and we all with unveiled face. So talking about us, we all as Christians being able to see clearly and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another for this is from the Lord who is the spirit. And so we have this, this glory, 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 glory. We use that word a lot around here. We sing about glory uh, when we pray, we say, God, this is, this is for your glory. What does glory mean? It is the purpose of all things. Therefore, we really need to have a working understanding of that if we're to understand what our role is in being able to be God's witnesses as we look at the, the last part of the message uh, today. So glory is actually quite difficult to define. Uh, we're we're going to shoot try to do that anyway. Uh, but it's very difficult to define, and it's kind of like the difference between a car and beauty. So if I asked you to explain to someone what a car is, you would have a pretty easy time doing that. You could talk about what a car looks like. It has two doors, four doors. Uh, I guess it could have six doors, could have one door. 
Uh, it could have two wheels, four wheels, six wheels, whatever. It could be this color. It could have a sunroof. Um, you could talk about the purposes of that car in the future. You could say, well, a car should really make, be meant to fly because it would save us a lot of time. Or it should be meant to go through a tunnel that, that Elon Musk is building because that would be able to get to places much faster. So car, we, we have a really good understanding of. And we can explain that to each other pretty effectively. Beauty is quite different, though. Beauty is different. If I ask you to explain uh, what beauty looks like in a sunset, you would have a difficult... Now, you could tell me the colors, but the feeling of what you feel whenever you see the sun setting is very difficult to explain. That feeling you have when you have a meaningful conversation with someone that you love, that is very difficult. The beauty of that is, is, is very difficult to explain, is it not? And so glory is more like beauty than it is car. And we're going we're gonna to take a shot at, at, at defining this as the manifestation of God's holiness. The manifestation of God's holiness. God is, is holy other. He is perfect. He is infinitely loving. God is, is in a category by himself. And glory is the manifestation of that. It, it is something that we can look at and say God's Holiness is like that. And that is what all of creation was built to do. That is what you were built to do. I was built to do. And the defining element of God's glory is Jesus. The cross of Jesus is the pinnacle of God's glory. It it displays God's love uh, in saving us from something that we couldn't do. It is the, the pinnacle of all things. This is why Jesus has the nickname... Uh, or not nickname, but the, the title, it's a terrible word, <laughs> has, the, has the title of King of Glory. This is where that comes from. Uh, that is not just a handy line in a Phil Wickham song, although I love Phil Wickham. Uh, but King of Glory, uh, he, and if you think about this with, with this construct, that means that Jesus is not only the King of Kings, the King of all things, he is the King of the purpose of all things. The King of the purpose of all things. That took me like three days just to like try to wrap my head around, man, what, how beautiful that is. The king of the purpose of all things. What do we do with that? That, that kind of picture of God's holiness is what gives us our boldness. By the way, if you've seen a bold Christian, they really get this, right? It's what gives us our boldness. It's, why, it's how you can come in here on a Sunday morning. If you have been trapped in addiction for 10 years uh, Jesus can set you free from that. That's where this comes from. You can come in here, you've been attending church for, for 20 or 30 years, and you've had no power in your life, and you, you've really been focused on the religious element, and you've had no experience with the Spirit. Jesus can bring life to that. That's where that comes from. And if you don't believe that Jesus can use anyone, come hear my story. Crazy. And if that doesn't work, then we've got some brothers and sisters that attend this church that are, that are here with us this morning that you've got to put the kids to bed to hear the full compliment of their story. And Jesus does the same thing every time with them, with me. He brought them from death to life. He filled them with his spirit and he used that story for his glory as his witnesses. He is the king of glory. This is what he does every time. So what do we do with that when we're confronted with that? How do we, how do we respond to that? If that's what he does, what do we do? How do we see, how do we bring glory to God? If, our, if we're created to bring glory to God, how do we understand that? Um, and as we are, are at the end of um, verse 10, as, as, as we are going to be his witnesses, uh, how are we to understand 
how to bring glory to God in that. And, and I want to look at this uh, vocationally, mainly because I, I'm uh, kind of in the, the tech space for my day job, I guess you would say. Um, and so I want to look vocationally, mainly because this is where uh, we often get things wrong. We, we, we have this perspective of, of value that is incorrect. And for us to understand what brings God glory, we have to have a proper perspective of what God values and how he values it. And the most common uh, kind of manifestation of this in conversations that, that I have is there seems to be this, this holy pyramid, if you will, of missionary, ministry work, uh, like vocational ministers, nonprofit, service industry, that would be like a teacher maybe or, or a doctor. And then the business people are all down here on the, on the bottom. And I'm, that's me, by the way. I'm a business person down here on the bottom. And, and kind of the purpose in life of understanding glory, we have this, this value system that says the top is more, brings more glory to God. Therefore, with my life, I've got to work my way up in some way, this, this, this holy pyramid thing. And so if I'm in the business world, that, that means that uh, my role is to make money for two things. One is to fund the proper ministers. Uh, the second is to save enough money so that someday, hopefully, I can do something that's meaningful within the, within the kingdom of God. And this is a terrible, terrible value system that has uh, no finding in the Bible. You can't find that anywhere. But it messes us up. It messes us up because we, we're not able to, with joy, do the things that the Lord has asked us to do. And, and, and through my kind of working through this, and this is something that I've wrestled with. This is years of, of, of wrestling with what brings glory in the marketplace? What brings glory with the work that we do? And I've landed on really two things that, that help me that I, that I find are, are evident in, in, in scriptures in terms of understanding how to filter out or how to look at what brings glory. The first is, to what degree is this from the Spirit? From what degree, to what degree is this from the Spirit? So if I'm given something to do, did I come up with that? Am I valuing that? Am I deciding that that is valuable to the kingdom of God, or is this from the Spirit? So that's the first question. The second question is, to what degree am I obedient to that? So the Lord has given me this thing to do. I know that it's from the Spirit. To what degree am I obedient to that in what I'm doing? And those are the only two metrics. That's it. So if you need something to value, and you need to say, is this more holy than this? Is this more? Does this bring more glory uh, than this as it relates vocationally? Those are the only two things uh, that you need. But those two things are very hard because it flies in the face of everything that we see. It doesn't line up with how career progression goes. It doesn't line up with what is valuable in the world. And it doesn't line up with the broken perspective we find sometimes in the church of this, this pyramid. But this is how the kingdom of God works. This is why with people who are filled with the Spirit, God can take 12 people and He can take the gospel to all of Asia in two years. With the full complement of the church working where the Lord has them, doing what he's asked them to do in a way that's fully obedient to him. And so in, in my uh, personal experience with this, uh, three or four years ago, I guess it's been four now, I went through this career transition where I, I worked in the corporate world. I was a corporate exec, wore a suit, that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, and, and, and the Lord called me into creating this, this, this healthcare technology company. It's what I... I do now with a, a group of really awesome uh, people 
And, and the transition of doing that and, and trying to reconcile, you're asking me to leave all of this to do this. That's highly risky. It's going to cost me everything that, that I have, or at least put at risk everything that I have. Are you sure you want me to do this? And, and one of the things that uh, the Spirit did over the course of several months of praying and working with other believers is he gave me this solidification that this is what I want you to do. So I had, okay, first box, check. This is from the Spirit. Um, and so I can't tell you how many nights I went to bed after an awful day where things weren't going uh, well at all. And you can ask my wife. This, this is it's really tough times. Um, but I was able to sleep like a baby. I was able to experience, when we talk about freedom as it relates to Jesus, I was able to experience that because at the core, that's what the Lord wanted me to do. Right, and so so that brings that freedom into whatever situation is. Why how you can be sorrowful and joyful at the same time? It, that confidence that you get from the Spirit giving you that conclusion um, is really powerful in your life. I can tell you the second question though: Am I obedient to what the Lord has given me to do? Is where I struggle. It's really hard, and and this is a this is a day. And obedient is not: Are you doing that thing? It's, it's much more encompassing than that. It's more: Are you joyful in that thing? Are you completely satisfied with how the Lord has unfolded that uh, within your life? Which is generally my problem. What I say is, okay, you've asked me to go and do that. Therefore, I'm going to take that now, and I'm going to be in control. I'm going to put the plan down. I know what's best. Got it? Got it? I'm going to now bring you glory with my plan. Uh, And it doesn't work very well. Um, it doesn't work. It only causes misery for me, and I believe that this is part of the Lord's sanctification, if, you know, of, in my life of, of saying, no, 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 you're going to do what I asked you to do. You're going to do, do it joyfully, and I want you to be content with that. I want you to be okay with that, and I want you to stop using this, this value orientation that is completely jacked up. What I find valuable and what I find glory brings glory to me is that you do what I asked you to do, and you do it with joy, and you do it from a position of obedience, but that's tough for us, but that, that changes our, our construct. This is where we see that uh, the gospel is not just something that we know. It's not some facts that we, that we put away in our memory bank, uh, but it's how we see things. This is how we translate the beauty of the gospel into the things that we do. So how do we understand this? Okay, so the uh, God, Jesus comes through grace, saves us, fills us with his Holy Spirit, gifts us within a body of believers to do his work, to glorify him wherever it is that he's called us uh, with the full complement of what he has in us as a church body. Um, where do we go with that? And let's read Acts 19, 7 through 10. Let's, let's wrap, wrap that up. And he entered the synagogue, this is Paul, and he entered the synagogue for three months, spoke boldly reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. So what we see happens whenever this pattern emerges and when we're obedient to what the Spirit asks of us, uh, we see two things. And we're going to start with, with, with one we often uh, overlook. The first thing that's going to happen is it's going to cost you everything and you're going to be rejected. That's what's going to happen. Uh, it happened to Jesus. It happened to Paul. 
It happens every time the truth uh, comes into a place of darkness. Some will reject that. And if you uh, don't believe that, then, then we've got some work to do in understanding how the New Testament works. It's going to cost you everything, and you're going to be rejected. What also happens is you're brought from death to life, and the Spirit uses you to transform continents. That's what the Spirit does. Happens every time. People who are faithful to what the Spirit is asking them to do, the Lord uses that, and it transforms people's lives around us. From, from beholding God's glory, going back to the kind of this idea of glory, uh, glory is what transforms us, and it transforms us into more glory. It's, it's this continuous loop of beholding the glory of the Lord, transforming hearts so that more people can behold the glory of the Lord. You see that? It's like this continuous cycle of glory uh, that we get to operate within. So what do we do with that? What do we go from here? Um, my family and I, we were in Big Bend not long ago. You guys know where that's at? It's kind of down on the, the border of Texas and uh, Mexico. And Big Bend has what are called Class 1 skies. Does anyone like stargazing? Anyone know what that is? Effectively, means it's really dark. There's no light pollution. And so when you're out there, you can see this expanse of the universe that is unparalleled. You, you can see it in other places like uh, there's some places in Utah, Alaska, Hawaii, etc. But you're able to see really clearly uh, God's universe. And it is, it is awe-striking. You know, it's unbelievable. And my wife and I are sitting there talking like, man, that is gorgeous. That is, but what is also true is it kind of mimics our spiritual life. That beauty is always there. It's always there. We can only see it because we've went to a place where the light pollution has been turned off. And now that we can see that clearly, so how does that mimic our spiritual life? We, God's glory is always there. It's always there. The Spirit is always there. If you're a believer, if you believe in Jesus, the Spirit is always there. But we, we fill our lives with this stuff, noise, light pollution, that prevents us from being able to see it. And we, we have got to, uh, through the spiritual disciplines, uh, work uh, with the Spirit in clearing those things out of our lives so that we can see clearly. And if you've been around me at all, uh, you know that, that that really is what keeps me up. That is my prayer for us, is that we learn to, to see clearly here. Not know stuff. We learn to see clearly. And, and I ran across something else that I was uh, reading and preparing this week is from a psychologist. It has nothing to do with this, but uh, essentially he said that the, uh, the um, illiteracy of the 21st century uh, is not going to be that you can't read and write. It's going to be that you have not learned how to learn because things are speeding up so quickly. If we have not learned how to learn, there, there's, there's no, that is illiterate. Uh, and and that is, that, I don't want that to be true of us as it relates to our spiritual walk. And so contemplation comes into that. How do we, how do we take these things and how do we work through our faith with fear and trembling with the Spirit's lead so that we can clear some of these things out? And so I have um, three questions for us to take away this week that I want you to, to look at this week, that I want you to pray through uh, on your own together with your practice group, whatever you want to do with that. Uh, and the first question is this. It's the, it's the question that Paul asks which is, have you experienced the power of the Spirit? Have you experienced that? And I don't want us to skip over this. I want us to really think about that. Have you experienced the power of the Spirit in your life? And if you haven't, then let's work through that. 
Let's work through that so that, so that we can get that right. Because the other two, none of it's relevant if you do not have the Spirit operating in your life in a degree of power. None of the other stuff is relevant. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Led by, active, right? This is the first question. The second question is, do we desire what God desires? So as we think about the gifts, as we think about being His witness, as we think about um, all of these things, do we desire what God desires? Do we desire to love like God loves? Do we desire to see our city come alive because of the gospel? Do we desire to send our best to the corners of the globe so that the gospel can be heard from people groups who have not heard that before? Do we desire that? Do we desire what God desires? If we don't desire what God desires, it's going to be very difficult to wield the gifts he's given us to carry out those desires. The last question, this is, uh, this is, my, this is my big boy question. <laughs> uh, this is, I go to this multiple times a week, mainly because I get so jacked up. So I, I, I've got to have something that, that brings me back into focus. And, and the question is this, for, for whose glory and by what power are you living your life? For whose glory and what power? And the reason that this is a powerful question is because it can be applied virtually to any situation. So if you walked in here and uh, you don't know Jesus, all this stuff is foreign to you, it seems very irritating, uh, this question is for you. Whose glory are you living for? You were created for glory. You were bringing glory to something. That is what you were created for. You can't escape it. Whose glory and what power? If, but if you have been a believer for 20 years and you have a vibrant relationship with the Spirit and the Spirit's active in your life, this question is for you. And you have a bad week and you're like, what happened? Where, where did my joy come from? This, this, this happened to me literally last week. Where I'm like, how did that? What, what happened? Um, and it was because uh, it was my power. I'd kind of taken back over. So it was for, for God's glory, I, I think. But it was my power, certainly. And it failed miserably. Uh, and it jacked me up, right? And so I used this to say, whose who's glory, by what power? And this, this kind of baselines us then to work through that and to kind of get back into alignment with the Spirit in the lead, with God's glory uh, in front of us, uh, the power of the Spirit being the power that we, we use to work through that. So... Uh, this stuff is hard. Uh, it, it is hard. There, there's a reason that it is uh, narrow is the way. Um, but it's a lot harder to live in a way that you weren't created for. And mostly we don't have because we, we don't ask. So can we, can we pray this morning? Can we go to the Lord and ask Him for these things? Jesus, you are the king of glory. There is no other name. You are worthy. We, we, we lift these songs today. We lift these, these words diving into your scripture uh, because you're worthy. And we are infinitely dependent on you, whether we realize it or not. We are infinitely dependent. Down to our breath in our lungs, we are dependent on you, Father. And we are thankful that you're infinitely faithful. Infinitely faithful to, to meet those needs, to be patient with us, to, to work with us. Um, Father, we pray that the Spirit would become alive in 
our lives, individually and collectively, that we would be a people that were uh, known for the active presence of the Spirit in their lives. There would be experience of that at the individual level. It would be evidence of that within the communities that we live, in front of our neighbors, in front of our coworkers, in front of the world, that we would be your vessel. We pray that our desires would, would, would line up with yours. We can't do that. We cannot manufacture desire like you have. We cannot manufacture love like you have. We need you to move in our lives, Father. We need it desperately. This is for your glory. We want to operate in your power, not our own. So forgive us where we've taken over control. Forgive me. I'm a master at it, Father. I ask that your spirit would would do a work, that, that we would earnestly desire the gifts that you offer freely, that they would be used for your glory. Our hearts need to be transformed, Father. We don't need a, a dose of knowledge. We don't need uh, a dose of religiosity. We need your spirit. We need you. We want to fall in love again, Father. Give us, give us that. Thank you so much for this church. Use our church. All of it. Not just our pastors, not just our missionaries. Use all of it. Use our entrepreneurs. Use our accountants. Use our project managers. Use our nonprofit leaders. Use our nurses. Use all of it. All of it is yours. And we desire to be your witnesses. Use us, Father. We're grateful that you're a God that pursues because we don't have it in us. You're the king of glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.